The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. And I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm a bit distracted because just outside my window, a crow has just glided by with a twig in its mouth or beak. And obviously, it's in its nest-building process, which is absolutely synchronistically wonderful because today, we're going to be talking about the building of a nest and the birth of a baby hummingbird with Noel Mead Izzy. And through this extraordinarily, wonderfully, simply profound experience. Noelle's life was transformed by spending this three-month sojourn with this magnificent experience with the hummingbird that answered her heart's calling. So, Noelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And as we, as we, you know, we've been chatting ourselves off the air and just this incredibly, profoundly important and yet simple way in which we need to connect with nature and just spend time observing tuning in with sensing but before we go into into that let's let's talk a little bit about your own story and how all this took place and probably the best thing you can do is to set the scene for people is is what was going on in your life when when this all began for you um well it was um the Market crash of 2008, which I'm sure everybody worldwide was aware of. And here in the United States, we, um, we were experiencing a lot of foreclosures, losing of retirement, jobs. Um, so during the crash of, of 2008 or just prior, I had left the corporate world to start my own um, graphic design business and uh, purchased my own home for the first time a couple years prior, and I was newly single, so I sort of felt like I had the world in the palm of my hands. Everything was going, you know, very smoothly, and the timing and conditions seemed so perfect for everything that was taking place in, in my personal life and professional life, and then the crash hit, and what was really interesting about this experience is... Um, while I wasn't personally experiencing the effects of the crash, so I didn't lose my house and I didn't lose my job per se. I mean, I was an entrepreneur. I was just starting to build my client base. So that was a little frightening. But what, what, what was going on is the power of my mind that took over my physical well-being 
was extraordinary and not in a good way. So I started to be inundated with the what ifs. What if I lose my my client base? What if I lose my entire savings? What if I lose um, my home? What if I have to move back in with my parents? What if, what if, what if? And it was just inundating me day and night. And one night while I was sleeping, I woke up and couldn't breathe. Um, I was in a cold sweat. My heart was racing and literally felt like it was beating out of my chest. And I was shaking. And I thought, and I just happened to be with a group of friends because we were like on a small little vacation. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I jumped up out of bed and I went into the bathroom and I, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get my grounding. And so I wound up going to the ER and it turns out I was having a panic attack and I had never experienced anything like this before. So I thought I was having a cardiac arrest. And the good news is, you know, that it it was what the doctor called, you know, anxiety and panic attack and that um, they, it does take on the same kind of symptoms. If anybody's experienced this in the audience, they'll know it takes on the kind of symptoms of your, you know, you know, having a heart attack. So he said, the good news is you can't die for it from it. We can certainly give you some um, anti-anxiety drugs if that's what you're, um, it, you know, if you'd like to, to do that to help alleviate the symptoms. And at the time, I just wasn't ready for that. But what I did know is that whatever I was doing to myself, my emotional state, my mental state, my forecasting, this gloom and doom had literally manifested in a physical ailment for me. And I needed to find out why this was happening. And I needed some internal healing because I didn't just want to mask the symptoms. What I wanted to do was heal from inside out. And the only way I knew to deal with things in my life, adversity and great things, was to just go outside. So I remember I just started every single morning going outside, especially the mornings when I didn't sleep at night because I would have anxiety in the middle of the night. I would go outside in the morning and I would walk for about an hour and a half. And it wasn't a fast walk. It was just a slow breathing, taking in the trees, the, the air, the sky, the birds. And I would just pray to the, the outer beingness of where I was, to God, to the universe, to the stars, to the moon, to whatever would listen to my heart. And I would just pray, please help me. I'm willing to learn here. I'm open and receptive to understanding the lessons here. And um, I did this on a regular basis for about two weeks. And, you know, two weeks down the line, I go out to my balcony to sit on my glider one afternoon to take a break from work. And there was this little nest and there was no bird, but it was just a very, very tiny, tiny nest that was built on a branch that was hanging over my balcony railing. And um, I was pretty, pretty in in awe because it was the size of a walnut shell. And I was like, wow, this is so small. And it was kind of surrounded by a bunch of pine cones. So the fact that I even saw it, located it was just, you know, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my eyes. So I sat down in the glider for about an hour and thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder what little bird this nest belongs to, if any, 
you know. And sure enough, about an hour later, this little hummingbird comes flying in at 60 miles an hour and landed in the nest. And she had um, all of these um, spider webs kind of in her beak and against her chest. And that was part of, you know, the materials she was finishing her nest with. So she was really busy kind of like, you know, in the nest and pushing here and pushing there and stabbing there and sticking here and kind of didn't really pay attention to me at all. I don't even know if she knew I was there at that moment because I was stiff and still. I didn't want to frighten her or, you know, catch her off guard. So I was just very still. And so, I so you were someone who was already tuned into nature to a certain degree. So as you were observing this moment, how were you feeling in that moment? Um, just kind of, you know, when you say in tuned, I, I, I enjoyed running out in nature. You know, I'd always been a runner. So nature was kind of a backdrop for most of my life to the things that I was doing. Now, since this experience, I make a point to go out and observe nature on walks. So I'm not just, oh, passing stuff by. I make a point to say I'm going to walk slow and I'm going to look around me and I'm going to pay attention. So when I, what I was feeling at that moment was just kind of like, wow, this is interesting. What, what could this possibly be? And then when the hummingbird showed up, I was like, ooh, I've never seen anything like this before. I had never seen a hummingbird in real life before. You know, I mean, they're quite elusive. So they probably were around me, you know, during my my walks. But I, you just don't see them. And when she finally settled in after she placed the spider webs that she had brought on this particular trip, then we caught each other's eye. And I just sat there and she looked at me and I looked at her. And that's where in the book I said, I just kind of introduced myself and said, you know, hello, welcome. It's very nice to make your acquaintance. And I sat there for another hour while she did her thing back and forth, back and forth. And at that point, I was like, this, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be extraordinary because this bird chose to nest in such a close vicinity that I get to watch this from now on. And that was really wonderful. And, and you named your lovely little hummingbird. Artemis, why did you choose that name? Um, Artemis was um, chosen because about three weeks into our our introduction and our relationship, I was sitting on my bed and I could see her nest outside of my bedroom window every day. And I thought, well, I'm forming a relationship with her. I should probably name her. So I remember looking out at her and I had this little deck of goddess cards. And I said, um, I know you're a goddess, but who are you? Which goddess are you? And so I just shuffled the cards and I pulled a card and it was the goddess Artemis, a Greek goddess. Funny, I expected it to be like Athena or, or Diana or something really beautiful and foo-foo. And Artemis was a tomboy. She was the goddess guardian of nature and she was focused, hyper-focused on protecting nature at all costs. And she was like this little tomboy. So I thought, and fiercely independent, and I thought, okay, Artemis it is. You know, I've never heard of the goddess goddess Artemis before, but if this is who you are, and sure enough, as time went on, she absolutely was the goddess guardian Artemis because I did my research on this particular, um, you know, folklore 
goddess. And sure enough, that was this little hummingbird to the T. And, and in this connection that you had, um, eye to eye, I guess, did you feel a connection coming back from her to you? Yes. I felt, I remember I, I could feel like um, my heart, I almost felt like crying because this bird was so small and so um, such a gentle thing in my life amongst all of this chaos that I was experiencing with anxiety and sleeplessness and, um, you know, fear. And this was this creature that showed up and everything about her was gentle and soft and peaceful. And I thought, could this possibly be what I need right now? Is this really, I mean, that's why I named the book, the the hummingbird that answered my heart's calling because that first couple hours of meeting her, I questioned that. Is this, why do I feel so relaxed and peaceful and grounded when I'm sitting on this balcony looking at her? Could this have been an answer? And it was, it, 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 it absolutely showed up in that way in my life as an answer to my, my prayers and my heart's calling. And the book takes you through that. It was glorious and magnificent and everything you could ever imagine as a teacher, a wise being taking you through a journey of healing. So, so you were aware f- pretty early on in, in the interaction that this was a potential healing opportunity for you. Uh, yeah, there was, there was something there. I felt extremely humbled, and when I felt that, that sense of humility and awe, I thought, this feels good. <laughs> you we're know? Gonna t- <laughs> we're going to take our first break now, Noel, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk about this beautiful little story. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Much can be learned from the new children who embody a higher vibration and consciousness. However, the world we live in has not always been understanding of the gifts, differences, and awarenesses that they contribute. Listen for Journey with the New Children, Teens, and Adults, presented by Saturn Three Light Flyers. Each week, hosts Michael and Janice Bordway, along with their son and frequent guest host Tristan Bordway, share the discoveries of parenting and being one of the new children. It's an amazing journey. Join us Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where you'll find all the information of the work that we have been doing and are doing. And uh, also a reminder to go to uh, the link to my events page if you are interested in joining our live meditations that take place on a Thursday morning at 11.30 Pacific. You can, you can either join live or have a download MP3 uh, sent to you by email after the event. Uh, this week, uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the upcoming Grand Cross in a couple of weeks and also uh, joining us together in meditation around the energies that are already coming in around that. So www.petertongue.com and click on the events page. I have with me today Noel Mead Izzy, who's telling us this beautiful story about the hummingbird that answer her heart's calling. So, Noel, just con- just continue with, with your story and the relationship. <clears throat> well, as time went on, um, like like any relationship, um, it was cultivated and familiar. So, because she was nested so close in proximity to me, um, in in pretty much everything I did. Um, when I would go out to the balcony and just be present with her at night when I would sleep, um, I could see her nest from my bedroom glider, the sl- I'm, I'm sorry, the slider. So she was very aware of me. I was very aware of her. And there was a mutual a- a exchange of just relaxed being. So no fear. And not even once her, her nestling hatched, and her little baby was there. Did she uh, show me any sense of trepidation like, oh, you know, don't get close or anything like that? So we just sort of formed this bond. And as I would take the time as much as possible, because I was fortunate enough to work from home, I could go out to the balcony during my break. So when people take their lunch break to go head out to a restaurant, my lunch break would be to go head out to my balcony and just watch her and see what was going on and in this this process where she was and so 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 let's go let's before the before the little baby's born there must have been an egg were you actually able to see that oh yes um just so you know so you have a visual the egg of a hummingbird is the size of a tic tac so if any of us remember the Tic Tacs, I think they're still around. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> this thing was so small wow. that, I mean, the, the photos in, in my book, and someone said, you know, they're, they're such close-up photos. It doesn't seem as small as what we know it to be. And I said, well, yeah. If I, if I would have taken the photos as, at, at, in the relation to the tree and the branch and really what it looked like, you know, you wouldn't see what we, we get to see. But because she was so close, I was able to take, take close-ups. But everything was minuscule, 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 minuscule. And so um, the egg was very tiny. And when she would um, leave to go 
you know, forage and collect nectar, the, the little egg would be exposed. And I remember one chapter in the book, I'm talking about how the rays of the sun, it was like she had, nature has this perfect agreement, the interconnected agreement that everything will be just fine. And they do not live in a state of what if, like we humans do. They don't forecast doom. They don't project into the future. They are in the moment of now. And so she would take off and the little egg would be, you know, exposed and this beautiful beam of sunlight that would come through the needles of the the pine tree would hit that egg with such light and, and gentleness. It was like the sun was a living, breathing thing, just like this egg, just like this bird and would say, I'll take over while you go and feed yourself. And that beam of warm incubating light would hit that egg just right while mama was gone. And I thought, you know, these were aha moments where I would think, I, this is such a small aspect of this big picture called planet Earth, but it is so beautiful and so interconnected. And wow, if only human beings grasped this the tiniest bird known to men man has a perfect agreement and relationship with the most powerful ball of fire in our universe <laughs> and that ball of fire only gives that egg just what it needs the perfect amount of heat and sunlight to continue that life force within that egg growing and i, I know this sounds really sort of ethereal and esoteric but these are the things that moved me in such a way that it grounded me and I felt connected I felt balanced and I felt more than anything the most profound sense of gratitude and thankfulness where I would look out at this at this bird and literally say thank you for being a guest on this planet with me because you are enriching my life in ways that no workplace, no bank account, no nothing is, is moving my heart the way this is. Nothing is making me realize how really I'm not the center of the universe. We're a tapestry in this universe and I'm just part of it. And, you know, this is what was going on is as the process continued and the healing continued. So at this stage, um, are, are you now still having any of the panic attacks or are they already oh, gone? Um, I, I can't put my finger, and this was the beauty of it all, I can't put my finger on the day or the evening that I actually slept straight through the night or, uh, you know, panic attacks or anxiety that surge that goes, starts at your feet and moves up through your body until it's up in your head and you feel like you're going to lose your mind. That's how these attacks felt for me. I'd feel like I just want to crawl out of my body. It was weird. But they would happen at the most inopportune times, like in a grocery store in a line or at a, at a stop sign where, you know, I can't move my car and I'm starting to feel it. And I have... I would breathe through it and get control of it because, you know, obviously I didn't want to end up in a insane asylum or something like that, but, and I'm kind of joking, but so I can't put my finger on where the actual end 
of these attacks happened, but I do remember a time where I said, wait a minute, I haven't had a panic attack in two days. I've been so distracted. This beautiful distraction has put me in a place where I'm not hyper-focused on me. I'm actually focused on something outside of me and my self-centeredness. And by the way, I haven't had a panic attack. And then I do remember the first night that I slept straight through the night without waking up and feeling that kind of surge and thinking I went to sleep when it was dark and I woke up when it was light. And wow, thank you. <laughs> you know, so I can't say exactly when, but it was well, um, it was before it was before baby was born because I remember I went to Paris and baby was born, um, cracked through the egg while I was away. And I didn't have any panic attacks when I was in, in Paris, thank God. So, um, yeah. So, so, so here's another interesting piece then. You actually had to leave the nest and, and go overseas. Mm. What was that like for you, leaving? Because the baby, the baby wasn't born yet. No, and you know... I know that people will giggle or just go, oh, my gosh, really? This girl's, like, panicking over going to Paris. I shouldn't say panicking. Is trepidatious in going to Paris because of a hummingbird, you know? I had planned this trip with my friend for for a year, and um, it was a great opportunity. But once I met Artemis and I was seeing the process and I knew that the egg hadn't hatched, I was actually thinking, I am going to miss this this time where I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this bird to hatch and to be like the grandma, you know, that's <laughs> that's there in the in the delivery room, you know. And I remember I would tell Artemis out loud, I, I'm gonna miss this, aren't I? I just know when I'm gone, that baby's gonna hatch. You know it and I know it. And I would be like, Oh, Artemis, you know. So I did go to Paris. I, I had to go. And I remember printing out um and the photos actually in the book, I put a little traveling gnome hat on one of the photographs that I took of her just uh, sitting yes, in her yes. nest. Yeah. That, yeah. And so I remember packing that in my um, carry-on bag and I thought, well, she'll be my little traveling gnome and she'll be with me. Brilliant. And so I went to Paris, but I'll tell you, I couldn't wait to get back. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And, and when you got back, was the little one there? The little one was there, but here's the deal. I when I got home at around midnight, um, it was a long trip, twelve a straight twelve hour flight. A man had a heart attack on our plane. We had to land somewhere in Nova Scotia to get him to a hospital. We had to sit on the ground for another two hours. So by the time I got home, I didn't want to do anything but get into bed. So I just put my suitcase down. I opened my slider glass door, left the screen closed, and I thought I'll check in on her in the morning. And uh, so I didn't bother to go look out in the dark and wake her up or anything like that. And in that morning, and this is my one of my favorite parts of the book, that morning she was at my, my screen door at like 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning. And her buzzing, because the silence outside was deafening because there were no cars moving yet. And the fluttering of her wings was so loud it woke up my cat. And then it woke up me and I was like, what are you doing, Artemis? Because she had never done that in my, at my screen door, looking in my bedroom, like calling out to me. 
And I said, what, what, what? And I'm like trying to get the sleep out of my eyes and kind of gather my wits. And I grabbed my camera and I went out to the balcony. And you'll never guess what happened. Okay. Should we take it? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to a break. <laughs> no, we can take a break and we'll uh, come back and we'll, we'll hear the magnificent moment uh, in the middle of the night on your return. And we all know how we feel when we're jet lagged and we're just trying to get to sleep and it's the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue the story when we return. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you dealing with a personal loss in your life? It can be just about anything, such as the loss of a partner through death or separation, something significant of value to you, the loss of a pet, or maybe something is missing in your health or wealth. Tune in to Healing from Loss with Brenda B. Host Brenda Blindenbaugh and co-host Monique McDonald are here to help you transform the loss in your life from pain to joy and move forward. Listen live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And the wonderful support that we receive from Voice America through our regular engineer, Matt, uh, who is engineering the show today, and my producer, Brandy Jackson, both of whom provide the opportunity through Voice America for me to bring such wonderful guests to you, our listeners. And today we're having a wonderful discussion with Noelle Mead Izzy about her simple and yet profound experience with the hummingbird that answered her heart's calling. So, Noelle, I'm going to give you the ball back or the give you the egg back <laughs> after your trip to Paris and what happens next. So I, um, I went to bed and I didn't, you know, I didn't go outside to bother her that 
late at night um, or to check on her. And I thought, well, you know, we'll start where we left off tomorrow and I'll, I'll go see how she's doing. And um, But before I had a chance to check on her, she was uh, at my, my screen door next to my bed um, hovering and trying to get my attention the next morning before I had even awakened. And so I sat up in bed and I'm looking at her and thinking, what, you know, what is it? What is it? And so immediately, you know, my instinct throughout this whole process was to just get my camera. Even if I get the same type of picture, um, just get your camera. And so I grabbed my camera and I, instead of going through my, my screen door from my bedroom to walk right out onto the balcony, um, because my cat was on the bed, I decided to walk out of my bedroom into my living room and go out through a different door because I didn't want my cat to run out and, you know, bother this bird. So I get my camera, I walk out my bedroom door and I'm going through the living room. I open up the door that leads out onto the balcony from my living room and I see her zoom over to across the parking lot to a flowering bush that she would always get nectar from. They had these beautiful little white flowers. And I'm standing on the balcony with my camera, barely awake, barely light out. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Artemis, I mean, you know, you got my attention, but this isn't really anything new. I've seen you do this a million times. But what was so magnificent was that when she flew back to the nest, I saw her and it was Like I said, I was partly awake, partly asleep, not quite coherent, but I saw her land on the edge of the nest in a way that she wasn't sitting on the nest. She was kind of standing over it. And I thought, oh, so I got my camera and I just started clicking, clicking, clicking. And I I didn't really know that the pictures I was capturing because it was all kind of happening very fast. And so I clicked probably... 10, 15 pictures while she was on the edge of the nest and I could kind of see motion but not really knowing what it was. And then I thought, okay. So then after she did that, she flew away to go get more nectar. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, I'm awake or I want to be awake now. So I'm going to go into the kitchen and I'm going to make some coffee. So I'm making a pot of coffee. And as I'm waiting for the coffee to brew, I'm sifting through my digital camera, the photos that I just took. And as I'm zooming in to the photo, I could see that it was the baby and his little net head was up out of the nest and Artemis was feeding him. So he had hatched and he was born and she was feeding him. And she purposely, I mean, I feel this with every fiber of my being, she purposely woke me up where it would be quiet. It wasn't, there wasn't too much distraction or noise outside. She wanted me the first thing in the morning to come see her little pride and joy. She knew that I was going to miss it. She knew that I was home the night before and she got my attention and she wanted to show me what, what, she knew my heart was just waiting to see and it was the birth of her baby and her feeding it. And let me tell you, I, I stood in my kitchen and it was just one of those things where you almost can't believe that you have been made privy to an experience in life. 
you're almost questioning, am I really here? Is this really happening? And with that feeling, I felt so overwhelmed. I could just feel the tears pouring down my face. Like, I can't believe this bird has has given me the opportunity to see something so absolutely extraordinary on this planet. And I will never, ever forget this in my life. And from that point on, it was one of those things where I just thought, this is real. This was a bona fide communication that I felt like we had officially bonded, that she knew who I was and she responded to who I was in her life as this this being that would genuinely and authentically cared about her and who she was and the process of her life. And what and what happened? Obviously, she had she had the baby, and you, and you mentioned him as a he. So, mm-hmm. what what ultimately happens with the hummingbird and the nest and the baby? Well, like like everything else, and this, these were you know the observations that I made that were just so wonderful like you know we humans think that we we're the be all end all and what's interesting is the most intelligent creature on the planet which is supposedly the human um is observing the smallest bird on the planet and yet the parallels that i am observing in her her, in the motherhood of this bird and how she takes every aspect of her baby's life every um, uh, change that the baby is going through, that mother accommodates that change. And so as the baby grew, Artemis wouldn't sleep in the nest. She would give the nest up for just the baby, like every mother does. You know, a mother, oh, okay, so your bed isn't big enough because of your growing body. So they go and buy, you know, Johnny a bigger bed and maybe change his room around so because he's not a little boy anymore. So they might paint or put some other types of pictures and posters that accommodate his growth and his evolution. And that's what Artemis did. And it went on and on and Eventually, um, I happened to be outside and observing when Artemis was foraging one day and baby started flapping his wings and he would sit on the edge of the nest just like mom did. He wouldn't be in it anymore. He was like a big boy now. And so he'd start um, flapping his wings and kind of testing the waters of, I'm I'm an adolescent. I might be just a, a young adult now. Hmm, these are my wings. Wow, this feels good. What could this mean? And it was just all of these things that were going through my head about the process in which this little bird was going through that is so parallel to the processes of human beings. And I remember being out there on the balcony when he took his first flight. And granted, he he pretty much flapped his wings a few times and hopped onto an adjacent branch, very close in proximity to the nest. So he wasn't like off and flying into the, you know, mid-afternoon sunbeams yet, but he did leave the nest. He fledged. And from that point, he never went back to the nest. And I remember Artemis coming back to the nest. And I have this in, in one of the chapters where she flew back to feed him and she looked down into the nest and he wasn't there anymore. And the impact when I, when I saw and captured the photo of her with this, 
you know, yellow laden beak of pollen and ready to feed baby. And he wasn't there anymore. And I thought, empty nest. Oh, my gosh. This axiom has been created by birds. And here it is right in front of me. And, you know, I was a little sad and I started, you know, empathizing and kind of like placing my human emotions on the experience. But sure enough, I mean, within moments, she she lifted up Artemis off the nest and I could hear her kind of hovering around the tree and making this clicking sound. And she identified where baby was immediately. And then I saw her and I photographed this one too, where she landed on the nest right next to him. And in side-by-side fashion, she started feeding him. And that is how, until they both left the tree for good, that is how baby got his food. He, he, he no longer went back to the nest and they would feed like big people, big adults. <laughs> so, so did she leave the nest as well? Yeah, Artemis, um, I didn't notice her. I'd see her in the tree more often because baby was in the tree. Once in a while, I would see Artemis fly back and sit in the nest. It was almost like she was having, you know, when a kid goes off to college and mom or dad will walk past the bedroom God, this chokes me up. Walks, <laughs> walks okay. past the, okay. the empty the empty bedroom yeah. and maybe like looks inside and goes and sits on the bed yeah. and just remembers, you know, because their baby's gone. It was like Artemis would do that. She'd go and sit in the nest. And this may or may not be true, but it's what I felt. She'd just go sit in the nest and maybe just reminisce about when you know she had this time with with her little her little nestling and he was a big grown-up now and so she'd go back to the nest and he would just stay in the tree and kind of flutter around and go from branch to branch he never went out of her sight or out of the vicinity of where he knew mom was but once in a while she'd just go sit in the nest but eventually you know I went out one afternoon and um and they were gone and Talk about waterworks. Talk about <laughs> the empty nest. I knew I was walking into that bedroom where, you know, the child was there until they went off to college. And I thought, this is it, you know. But Artemis as well. So she never used that nest again. No. No, uh, it's interesting what happened with that nest. I don't, I don't know if we have time, but just real quick, this gigantic once artemis and baby were gone for good this gigantic grasshopper like four inches long would i would find him i started naming him grady i don't know why but he'd go and he'd position himself underneath a nest and i would see him like pooling at it and eating away at it and i didn't bother you know i wasn't going to go and interfere because nature is nature but it was really interesting because he pretty much descended you know disintegrated the nest and so if so so this was a one-off experience for you to really uh connect deeply and profoundly with your own hummingbird experience oh yeah it changed me uh my heart is completely open and full and softened and so Noah, we're going to take our next break now so when we come back i actually want you to to just talk a bit about the way in which this experience really uh, changed you and, and, and hit you so profoundly. Okay. 
It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Noelle Mead-Izzy, who's written this absolutely beautiful simple and profound book about her experience with this beautiful little hummingbird and her little baby, Artemis. And um, I want to give Noelle the chance just to mention the, her website and the book itself. But just from my perspective, one of the most powerful aspects of this book are these absolutely incredible photographs that were taken meticulously, close-up, detailed in fact, so close up that it's very hard to imagine that we're talking about a walnut-sized nest and a tic-tac-sized egg. But the, the way in which these photographs really bring out this incredible, deep and profound spiritual connection that Noel created, co-created with this beautiful circumstance with the hummingbird and, and her baby – uh, and the story that goes with it. It's a beautiful presentation, Noel. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, how, do, how do people connect with, with the book and with you? 
I do have a website. You can go on to www.benevolent.com. So that's B-E-E as in honeybee. So there's two E's. B-E-E hyphen nevolent, N-E-V-O-L-E-N-T.com. Um, you can purchase the book on my website or you can get it anywhere else like Amazon, barnesandnoble.com and so on and so forth. And um, my website also has my links to my Facebook page and my Google. So I do a lot of photography and blogs that associate um, the, the images with the symbolism of the animal or the aspect of nature. Great. Thank you. So I'd love you just to, to wrap up the piece about the hummingbird and the book. Um, in terms of letting our listeners know the impacts that it actually had on you as a, as a person, this experience that you shared and the aha moments that you had. How, how did you change as a person as a result? Well, you know, I learned, I, I like to say, some three core concepts about nature and what it was able to teach me um, and what I would share with others. And that is eliminate the what-ifs in our life because the the term human nature is no coincidence. We humans are nature. That's why we're called human nature. And in, in, in the outdoors, the natural world around us, what ifs don't exist? Um, Nature only exists in the moment. It doesn't project doom into the future. It doesn't dwell in the sorrows of the past. You know, the squirrel doesn't ask what if there are no nuts to gather or the bear doesn't ask What if there's no place for me to hibernate? Um, They are just in the present moment. And the present moment is the most powerful moment. And so this was a huge lesson for me, especially the fact that when you talk about certain motivational speakers talk about there's only the infinite moment of now. And you look at the way a hummingbird's wings move. They move in the shape of a a figure eight, the, the shape of the infinity sign. And when they hover, they are in a perpetual moment of hovering in the infinite moment of now, their wings are moving in the, in the shape of infinity and they are ho- hovering in that moment of now. And so there's no projecting into the future and nothing about the past. What happens is when you eliminate the what ifs, then you change your perspective and you step away from our default setting of the ego that boasts, you know, humans are all important and accept that we humans are part of the divine whole and not the center of the universe. And then once you change your perspective, you step into this beautiful place of gratitude. And by eliminating the what ifs and gaining proper perspective, we pave the way for gratitude and thankfulness. And nature gives us permission to experience the extraordinary within the ordinary. I mean, you relish in the beauty and the magic that takes place in nature. And you remember that whatever you think about and think, about you bring about and from this experience on I only every time I go out in nature I'm always thinking about the gratitude and the beauty and and I'm thankful for it in my life and guess what time after time after time it shows up more and more and more and I'm literally operating in this space of childlike awe every time I walk out my front door and it's free no cover charge Nothing. It's right there at our fingertips, free to give us this wonderful boost and enrichment in our life. And how has it impacted your own relationships with people? 
Well, I mean, it's just softens you in a way that you can't imagine. I mean, my relationships with my family, my friends, my coworkers, my colleagues, my romantic relationships, my heart was so soft and pliable and warm and fuzzy that nothing, I mean, it took a lot to really get me riled up about anything from that point to this moment in my life right now I am such a more relaxed person I don't allow the small stuff to get to me I'm able to communicate and with people in such a way that I think I I bring a relaxed peaceful element to them in our our conversations you know you can feel energy and the energy that I think that I put off after this experience of just peace and relaxed calm um, I can see it in other people's response responses to me so it changed my life in so many ways that it changed me that I, I'm I'm indebted to this little bird. She just completely transformed me. So, Noelle, I, I want to give you, because we've only got a couple of minutes left, I want to give you the opportunity, because you're also very connected and focused on the other pollinators, the bees, the butterflies, and the bats, as well as the hummingbirds. So, in the last couple of minutes, just give us a very brief uh, overview summary of, of the importance of that connection as well. Well, our pollinators, what I learned through Artemis, are the perpetual givers and receivers in perfect balance. Every time they go out to forage to take what sustains them, i.e. nectar or pollen, they give back. They proliferate the growth of everything around them that they touch. So what what our pollinators do is they teach us balance but what they also do is they provide a huge service when it comes to ecological um, soundedness and food. And we are losing our bees, our honeybees, to colony collapse disorder because of the use of deadly pesticides. The same with our butterflies, the same with our bats and our birds. So we have to really look at the power of our, our purchases and what we're using in our gardens, we have to step up and be the voice for these pollinators because a third of our food supply comes from the pollinators. And we are destroying their habitats and we are destroying their food source by big agriculture and pesticides. And then the, the commercial person that goes into the big box stores and buys things like Roundup and the bear products that are poisoning you know, the foliage that these, these pollinators are going to forage in. So um, I'm, I'm an advocate for our pollinators because they're, they are, are wonderful creatures of giving on this planet and receiving and teaching us that um, and also being a huge part of our, our food supply. And hence the uh, website benevolent.com, B-E-E-N-E-V-O-L-E-N-T.com, www.benevolent.com. We are at the end of our time, Noelle, and I really appreciate your beautiful story, the way that you've presented it in the book and the way that you've presented it on the show today. Thank you so very much for doing what you've done and really opening our eyes to this magnificent opportunity that you experienced. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. 
So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Alea Dow, uh, who works with the Cups of Consciousness. And she is going to be assisting us through these intense energies that are prevalent at this moment through the end of the month, through the end of April. And Alea will be talking about how we can manage the highs and the lows of the intense energies that are uh, flowing through the planet and flowing through us at this time. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.